I like it when, when my homeboy, Pastor Tony, can go out of town and do we don't suffer a minute. Come on, give it up for this worship team. Woo! It is awesome, man. I, I, I just, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. I love what God's doing in my life. I love what God's doing in my city. I love what God's doing in our church, in our ministry. It's awesome. People ask me all the time, how you doing? It's awesome. It doesn't matter. Sometimes I'm in warfare, but it's still awesome. All right? It's all good. Listen, our friends Amick and Christy Cutler in the house tonight. Come on. All the way from Charlotte. They just happened to be able to be uh, in town this weekend for Memorial Day weekend. I'm so glad we got to just hang out with you guys yesterday and uh, people get to see you. And, and if you guys didn't know they were here, they're here. So be sure to hug their neck before you guys leave tonight. Um, I think they leave out on Tuesday. Is that right? Some, somewhere up in there. So um, we're so glad we got to just visit with them. And God's doing amazing stuff in their life. We, uh, on our long road trip, we uh, stopped in, in Charlotte and got to stay a few days with the Cutlers. And it was so refreshing and good. And, and I feel like it's like extension. Our family is in another location. And I'm just like, okay, God, we'll just start building a bridge that way too. <laughs> you know, we're going to run that highway, man, and just see what God's doing in the kingdom. But uh, keep them in your prayers as you think of them because they are family. You know what I'm saying? You don't stop praying for family just because they don't live in your town anymore. You know what I'm saying? They're ex it's just a different location. We love you guys. Um, so tonight, I don't have a whole lot of time, just the way everything kind of went. But, um, you know, I, I, I want to talk about the power and presence of God, the power and presence of, of God, of Jesus. And, you know, today is Pentecost Sunday, and you know, sometimes people, when you say Pentecost, you know, immediately they think like Pentecostal, you know, it's like, you know, that, that church where everybody's swinging from chandeliers and, you know, shabba-dabba-doo and all, you know, all that stuff. That's good. It's all good. Look, let me tell you something. I swing from chandeliers without being Pentecostal, dude. They just come to my house. We get down like that um, because we're just going to have a good time. But I, I want to tell you, you know, my, my goal, my heart here is to talk about this without it having to be like super spooky. You know what I'm saying? Like there doesn't have to be like something weird about talking about what happened on the day of Pentecost. It was a very significant day. It's our birthday. To come on, man, let's celebrate. We have a birthday today called the church. The church has a birthday and the church is getting older. And you know what it means? It means we should be a little bit more mature. Because, well, like I said, all depends, because I do have friends who are getting older, but they ain't getting smarter. You know, it's like, okay, we're almost 40 now. We might need to, like, stop doing that. <laughs> and so, um, but let me say this. You know, sometimes in the church, man, it's like the church is getting older, but we got to position our heart, man, to get wiser and more mature. You know, and, and the day of Pentecost, I want to give you guys just a little bit of background what Pentecost means. Pentecost is a part of these feasts that God gave to the children of Israel. And, and there were three particular feasts. The first is Passover, 
which we all probably are very aware of. Passover is, is when God told Moses, deliver my people out of Egypt. And he said, you know, put the blood on the door frame, you know, and the, the spirit of, of he's going to go through and, and take the firstborn. And so he passed over the children of Israel. And so Passover is one of the feasts. The second uh, particular feast that comes immediately after Passover is what, we, what they celebrate called Pentecost. Or, <clears throat> excuse me, um, another uh, way of, of saying that would be the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks. And the, Pentecost is not like this like super like spiritually like weird word. It simply means 50th day. So we can like just kind of remove any of the weird stuff attached to Pentecost. It means the 50th day. And, and if you break it down, God told the children of Israel to celebrate um, on, on the Feast of Weeks or the Unleavened Bread seven weeks after Passover. Now, I, I'm not like, you know, a numbers guy, but some of you prophetic people in here, man, y'all always tracking numbers, man. You got, you, God's talking to you in numbers and squares and shapes, and, and, and I love it because I'm not necessarily get that all the time, so I need help. So people help me with that. But I think it's interesting that it's the number seven, which means completion. That something happened on the day of Pentecost. And I want to read it. I want to just look at the word. Let's just read what's in the Bible. Acts chapter two. Turn there with me. Just open your Bible. You know, you new school people, open your phone up, get your iPad out. Us old school people, we're going to open up our book. You know what I'm saying? I think mine's more anointed. I'm kidding. <laughs> Acts chapter two. Mark that. Now I'm going to read something to you. I'm going to turn my page and read something on the page before. Okay. Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, away from his disciples, told his disciples something. He said in first uh, in Acts chapter one, verse five, it says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit. Spirit. All right. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Somebody say power, power. On, me. on me. That's what we need in the church. That's what we need on the church. Power, Holy Spirit, power on you, flowing through you, in you, upon you. And Jesus knew that these guys who he loved with all of his heart was not going to be able to do what he asked them to do because he was going to the Father, but he was not going to abandon them as orphans. He was going to see that they received something to empower them, to commission them to, to do what he needed them to do. Now, Acts chapter two says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, say sound, like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. 
All of them were filled. Say filled. filled. Say all of them. With the Holy Spirit. Jesus don't leave nobody out. Jesus is not going to leave you out. I don't care what your personality is. All right? I happen to be one of those loud personalities. All right? So doesn't mean you got to be like me when the Holy Spirit gets on you. But here's the deal. On the day of Pentecost, there was 120 gathered together, men and women. Ladies, you ain't left out. Come on. Holy Spirit's not leaving you out. 120 gathered together in this place they called the upper room. And here's what Jesus told them to do. He said, go and wait for the promise that my father said he would give you. Go wait and be filled with power. You know, sometimes we may get into the habit of trying to do things for Jesus but we've not waited and gotten power. Maybe some of our efforts are in vain because we're trying to do something in our ability, in our strength, instead of waiting and letting him come upon us and then step out. So you kind of see this picture here. This wind comes blowing through the room that they're in, this violent wind came in and all of a sudden there's these cloven tongues of fire that's resting over each of their heads. And, and then it says right here, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, I'm not here to get into the nuances of, you know, was the miracle in their hearing or the miracle in their speaking? I mean, we could, we, could, we could start splitting those hairs, but here's what I know. Those people begin under the utterance and the inspiration of God begin to speak in a language that they did not understand. And we see the effect of what was going on. Now, I want to read this next part to you. Listen to what happens here. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome. Sounds a lot like every tribe, nation, and language. Cretans and Arabs. Can't leave our Muslim brothers out. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Let me tell you something. When a move of God is happening, not everybody gets it. Some people are looking at what's happening. They're like, what does this mean? I've been in those places. I've been in those kind of settings, those kind of scenarios where like the move of God's happening and I'm going, what, what, what just happened to us? What am I seeing? And sometimes you have to process it. Sometimes you have to submit yourself to those who have revelation to explain what God is doing. Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much to drink. 
Come on, give me that kind of wine, baby. Come on, let's do this right now. Listen, when a move of God is happening, you're going to have those who are experiencing it. They understand it. There are some who are going to be in the room and they're going to have questions and they're going, what's going on? And then you're going to have some people in the room who are like, y'all crazy. What are y'all drinking? And you know what? God was okay with all that. I'm going to be all right with it. I don't have to convince everybody. I just have to be okay with what he's telling me to do. I just need to make sure that I do what Jesus told me to do, go and wait and be ready to receive. Now, this is how the church was birthed. This is where the church was birthed, and, and we, the church had its birthday on this day. Right after this experience, Peter stood up, and he began to proclaim and explain to everybody, this is a prophetic fulfillment of what God prophesied hundreds of years ago. This is what God is doing. And he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women. Come on, ladies. Let me hear it. Girl power. I, there you go. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Not prophesy, but prophesy. That's important. <laughs> Let's hang on to that one. You know, we go into the end of the age, man, everybody wants to, you know, say stuff and it ain't necessarily lining up what's in the book. He says, I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood, fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day, not terrible day, glorious day. Before the great and glorious day of the Lord, if you are in Christ Jesus, the day the Lord returns and splits the heavens wide open, it's a great day. Amen. If you are on the other side of that, that's going to feel weird. I don't want to be on the other side of that. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, as I was reading this, I was also thinking about, you know, another passage of scripture that is in Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 37. The Lord pulls this prophet Ezekiel and he begins to talk to him. And it says, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. It's so funny. I had no idea like what, what, what the worship team was going to be singing, but I had this scripture that I wanted to read, talking about bones. We kept singing about bones, dry bones. It says, it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Say very dry. Very he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? If God is asking you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer to it. It's usually for our benefit to help us get there. You know, if you're standing over a valley of, of dead people's bones, you're not looking at life, you're looking at death. You're not looking at, you know, 
something that looks successful, you look at something that seems to have passed and been gone. I said, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. You know, that's really what's going on in a lot of our circumstances. We have dry, dusty places that seem dead and you need a word from heaven to speak to those dry bones. He says, prophesy to those bones and hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will, be, you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and you will be covered with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And I think about what happened on the day of Pentecost, that God was looking over a valley of humanity that was in desperate need of his spirit and presence. Not just a thimble full of his presence and glory, but looking at a community of people, 120 who are waiting and desperate and hungry for something to happen from heaven. Ezekiel prophesied to the bones. And then right here, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come the four winds of breath and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet. We're all getting weird now and crazy. We got dead bones standing to their feet in attention to the word of the Lord. Let me tell you something. When God begins to speak to dead things in your life, they will respond. All of a sudden, breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet as a vast army. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. I'm gonna tell you something right now. God's saying, uh-uh, nuh-uh. The way man sees your situation, the way you see your situation is not the way God sees your situation. The 120 are in a place of prayer. And I find it so interesting in the same way that when the word of the Lord began to be prophesied to these dry bones, they begin to move and rattle. And in that place where the 120 were, the wind of the spirit came in that place. A violent wind came in and began to shake the atmosphere. Why am I talking this way? Because I want to raise your expectation. This is not a fairy tale. This is not one of those books that we're just reading to our children and to ourselves like a bedtime story. This is the creator of heaven and earth. And he's saying, I'm talking to my creation about their destiny. And I'm calling my creation to come into alignment and agreement with how I see them. Because see, up until this point, 
these disciples were pretty fearful people. The Messiah, Jesus, who had been walking with them, doing miracles, signs, and wonders, Jesus has now been taken from them. Jesus was taken from them. They thought he was dead, put in a tomb. And if you turn the page and you look right here, it's amazing when Jesus walked into the room where they were, it was, it was kind of like, I, I know this is supposed to happen, but I'm not really sure I believed it was going to happen. It's like, I know I'm supposed to be in agreement with this truth. And any Christians out there that, that kind of operate in that realm, it's like, I know you said this was going to happen, but I'm kind of struggling. My experience isn't matching up with what you said. And the disciples are in this room, fearful. They're not posturing with great authority and power. They're in that room afraid. And Jesus walks in. He tells Thomas to put his hand in the holes in his hand, put his hand where the spear pierced him in the side to see that I'm not a ghost, I'm the real deal. Let me tell you something, if you're struggling in your experience, Jesus will meet you right where you are. He'll meet you right where you are. In John chapter 20, verse 22, when Jesus was with his disciples, he says that he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. This was before, listen, this was before what happened on the day of Pentecost. See, Jesus met with his disciples in John chapter 20 and said, receive the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing that you're going to have an encounter like Ezekiel prophesied about, that there is a, a valley of dry bones and my spirit is about to fill you beyond measure. And all of a sudden, what seems to be death and destruction is going to come together and be an army. It's time for Christians to wake up and know who you are. On the day of Pentecost, on our birthday, Jesus wanted to give us a gift, man, that would keep on giving every day. Don't you like them gifts? The Holy Spirit came upon them. And Jesus, John the Baptist prophesied about Jesus. He said, he said I baptize you with water, but a day is coming when Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. See, Jesus has come to baptize you with his Holy Spirit, with his fire. And this is what it says. When Jesus said that you will receive power, he said you will receive dunamis power. Power to raise the dead. The same breath and power that was speaking through Ezekiel as he was prophesying to dry bones. That's the kind of breath and power to fill you and me. Now, Peter, I run into people a lot of times and talking about, you know, being baptized in the, in the spirit of God. I run into people sometimes and they question, well, is that for me? Is that experience for me? 
Listen to what, listen to what Peter says when he's preaching this. This is Acts chapter 2, verse 38. All of a sudden, this move of God happens on the day of Pentecost, and people are like, some are all in, some are trying to figure out what happened, and other people are standing by saying, you guys are like crazy, all right? And so Peter's about to preach his first sermon and give some context. And ultimately, this is what he says. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all, say all, all. who are far off. All. It's very interesting on the day of Pentecost in the Old Testament, one of the practices, what they would do is, is they would bring two loaves of bread and they would wave those two loaves of wheat bread before the Lord. Why two? Jew and Gentile. Jew and Gentile coming into one people, one people for God. So, Peter was prophesying before his mind had revelation of what was actually going to happen. Peter didn't find out until several chapters later in the book of Acts that Jesus did not die just for the Jew, but he also died for the Gentile when he saw the sheeps come down and the unclean animals that were in the sheets. And the Lord said, eat. And Peter says, no, Lord, I would never touch that. Not for my youth would I eat that. And he says, you don't call clean what I've made clean. You wanna know why you and I need an encounter with the Holy Spirit? Here is the primary point and purpose of the day of Pentecost was to bring about a great mission. Here's that mission. Here is the goal and the point of the day of Pentecost. It's Habakkuk 2.14, that all the earth would be filled with the glory and the knowledge of the Lord. See, God came down and met man in that way to fill us and baptize us with his presence and with his power so that we could go into all the earth and proclaim Jesus to every person without fear, without intimidation, not loving our lives even unto the death. And that's what our brothers and sisters are doing in Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, and Yemen, not loving their lives even unto the death, proclaiming the glory of God to the ends of the earth. That's what Pentecost was all about. Pentecost was not about me simply speaking in tongues louder than everybody else in the room and you're looking at me. That's not what it was about. Pentecost was not about baptizing people in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and, and all of a sudden the, the, the atmosphere shifts from going to glory to God but glory, glory to man. See, let me, let me refine this and make a lot of clarity here. Everybody familiar in Genesis chapter 11 at the Tower of Babel? 
We're familiar with that. Let's take it back for a minute. Let's do a little Bible study here. Kids class. Here we go. So on the, uh, in Genesis chapter 11, all the languages of the earth were unified. One language. And it says that the people came together and said they are going to build a tower into the heavens and exalt themselves. And God looked down. God, the Godhead looked down and saw that man was in unison and nothing would be kept from them. So the Lord came down and confused the people and divided their language. When he divided their language, it sent them to, the, to all over the earth. He scattered them and there was divided language. The day of Pentecost is where we go from disunity to unity. The day of Pentecost is the day where all of a sudden we're now unified by the language of what? The Spirit. The language of the Spirit of God. Make no mistake about it. Let me, let, me, let me make sure you understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that that's speaking in tongues. Yes, there is speaking in tongues. But what is the language of the Spirit? The Spirit of Christ that Galatians says that I no longer walk in the flesh, but I walk according to the Spirit. All of a sudden, I'm not this angry, egotistical man who is living out of my flesh, but I'm living out of the love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness that I can only receive by the Spirit. Does that make sense? Jesus said, God said that his glory would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. I want to ask you a couple, a few questions. Is your focus on God's glory in all things? Is your, is your focus on God's glory in all things? See, when you begin to be baptized, when you experience spirit baptism, all of a sudden you want to put your focus and all the things that bring him glory. Not just when we come into a building and we sing and we worship. That's awesome. This is a corporate expression. But here's what it, what it really means is when I walk out of this building and I'm at my job and all of a sudden I got Buster so-and-so getting crazy with me and I don't respond to Buster so-and-so according to his stupidity, okay? And I don't react to him, but I allow the Holy Spirit to refine me and his empowerment causes me to relate to him or her or whatever according to the Spirit. And I begin to spread the glory of God in every place. My focus becomes how do I take his kingdom and his glory and I spread it wherever I'm at. Here's the second question. Is my passion that the nations would glorify God through the gospel? See, whenever we begin, when, whenever a person has been baptized by the spirit of God, all of a sudden their focus is not simply about themselves. Look at what Jesus said right here in Acts he said in Acts chapter one, verse eight, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Say witness. witness. Can I get a witness? Come on. <laughs> Listen to this. In Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
Jesus said, when you get baptized with my spirit, it's going to affect your immediate sphere of influence right here in the room right now. When you receive that baptism that comes upon you, that is going to transform and change your life. Yes, sir. And amen. But it does not stay right here. It does something like, you know, go somewhere and be all things to all people. Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. It's, it's right here in my home. Moms, dads, listen to me. You should have Holy Ghost parties at your house all the time because the Spirit of God is with you. Your, your children should prophesy. Man, you should pray. You should drink from that heavenly cup, man, without any religious strings attached to it because it's the gift that the Father's given you. It's your right. It's your inheritance. It's not just when you come into this building and have great worship. You can have great worship right there in your house. You want to know why? Because the only thing that he really cares about when it comes to worship is what's going on in your heart. Right there, doing laundry, loading the dishwasher, you can like fall out in the power. It's like, stick your finger in the light socket. You know, just, you can have that encounter right there. Because see, he's not moved based on environmental things. He's moved by our heart. And see, whenever our personal life has been radically influenced by his power and his presence, then we look outside and we go, how can I impact my neighbor across the street from me? How can I go to the grocery store and be Jesus to somebody? Because all of a sudden you really begin to realize, I'm going to tell you something, I'm going to say something, this is going to be maybe a little rough for some of you to hear, maybe not. But let me say this. People grow up and they want to retire. You don't retire from the kingdom of God. You don't like grow up and retire and say, you know, I'm just going to buy a big boat and sail on the Gulf Coast of Florida. Look for seashells. Could you imagine like standing before God and he's like, what you got? I got a really cool collection of seashells, man. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, I, I, sometimes I, I see people make these kind of adjustments in their life. It's like there's a couple who's hitting 60 years old or 70 years old and they retire and they take all their money and they go overseas and they go take the kingdom to places they've never been able to go to before. Because now they got no kids, they got no debt, and they got a pocket full of cash to go spend for the rest of the world. And there was a story, this testimony, this missionary couple whose brakes went out on their car and they went flying off of a cliff and they died. And some people said that was a tragedy. And the bigger tragedy is to spend the rest of my life and my days not having made a difference to things that have no eternal value. See, that's what will be an ultimate tragedy when we stand before God and we got a bag of seashells. Is my daily life consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit? Is my daily life conscious of the Holy Spirit? Is my daily life, is my desire to, to be a witness 
of who Jesus is in my life? See, these are the questions that should be getting at us. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? Pentecost is a celebration. Pentecost is a beautiful day. Pentecost is an awesome tradition for that's our inheritance. It's our birthday church. And I want to make sure that I, tell, that I say this to everybody in this room. Let me tell you something. I was talking with Miss Tammy before the service, and, and we were talking about how sometimes when we read Scripture, instead of it making us feel encouraged, we can almost feel discouraged because it seems like we're not quite measuring up to what we just read. and almost kind of makes us feel like judged a little bit. And let me share with everybody in this room and all those who are watching Don't seek speaking in tongues. Seek Jesus. Pursue Jesus. Pursue the man and he will give you everything that's in his hand. If you're hungry and you're thirsty for God, then seek after him. Seek after him. Desire the things of his kingdom. And you will be just like the 120 who are waiting for him to give the gifts that he has for you. And I assure you, he will fill you with every gift he has for you. I've watched people spend years of frustration pursuing something and feeling like, man, I just don't measure up. I'm not as spiritual as someone else or they have a gift that I don't have. And I'm here to tell you right now, all of these gifts are for all of his children. They're for all of us. But don't you allow the enemy or a person to put judgment on you because your experience doesn't look like someone else's experience. You get your own experience. You let Holy Spirit touch you right where you are. Don't you compare your experience with someone else's because every single one of us are unique children of God. And we're all on a journey and we're all on a path and God is doing a deep work in every single one of us and he's pursuing every single human heart. But in the same way Peter told those on that day, this is for you, my friend. This is for your children and your children's children and all who are far off. Let me tell you right now, the Holy Spirit wants a personal, intimate relationship with everyone in this room and everyone that is watching. He wants to be involved in your daily life. He wants to have your heart being molded in the hand of the Creator. And I assure you that when you collide with His Spirit, you will know He's dealing with you. You won't have to question, you'll know. If there's somebody in this room tonight who says, I want that kind of encounter with the Holy Spirit. I want more of that. 
This is between me and you and God just so that I can pray for you. But if you want that encounter with the Holy Spirit, the rattling of those dry bones in those places of your heart and your life, then just lift your hand to heaven. Let God see your hand. He sees it. Hands all over this room going up. Let me tell you something right now. God is going to encounter you because he sees your hand. He knows what's in your heart. This isn't a game for me. I'm not going to drag you up here and do anything to you. This is between you and him. The Holy Spirit encountered me in a pickup truck after I just got out of a life of sin, driving in a pickup truck by myself, screaming at the top of my lungs, God, where are you? And in that moment, he filled me with his spirit, and it was undeniable. My life changed forever. I promise you, if he did that for me, who was just a young punk who didn't know any better, he'll do it for you. He'll give you everything you need. God, I ask tonight that every person that lifted their hand who really means business with you, God, who says, I just want more, I want an encounter from heaven. I want to wait on you and you to touch my heart. God, I pray each person that has lifted their hand that, Lord, tonight would be a night that they are marked. That, God, as they leave this property tonight, maybe as they're driving home, as they get home and put their kids to bed, God, I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would come in the same way with that rushing wind, you would fill them with the breath of heaven. God, we love you. Would you guys just stand to your feet? Man, let's just take a moment and sing this chorus together. Thank you, God. Listen, if you've been feeling that fear try to come on you to keep you from living the life in Christ that you've always wanted to live, that's why the Holy Spirit came, so that you can feel strength and power. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come up here right now, and if you're here tonight and you just say, Pastor Arnie, I want an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I want more. I don't want to be satisfied with what I have. I know I need more. Then we want to pray for you. We want to come into agreement with you 
for everything that Jesus paid for. I know there were many people that lifted their hands and raised their hand. And if you would like for us to agree with you, to pray with you, that the Holy Spirit would take you to another level in your life, then we want you to feel free to come. I just want to pray a closing prayer. Would you guys just put your hand over your heart? I'm just going to pray and we'll close. And those of you who want ministry can come. We're going to transition. God, I just thank you right now that each and every one of us, our hearts would be touched by your presence and your power tonight, that we leave this building to never be the same again, that in each and every way, somebody's life has been marked by you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And would everyone say amen, amen. God bless you guys. You can have a good night. If you would like prayer, come forward. We're going to transition and start our second service in a few minutes.